It's 8 p.m. On this episode, Travis talks to Nate Shorter, co-founder and COO of Empathy Wines, a passionately crafted California wine made by the experts. Let's go! I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the company and, and sort of how you guys are doing right now. Uh, I know that it's a very, very new brand, yep. um, but I've actually, I hear more and more people in my little community and my circle actually hearing about it, knowing about yep. it, talking about it. Yep. So Empathy Wines, if no one's heard of it, is a direct-to-consumer winery. We're a legally registered winery in the state of California, um, and we ship direct-to-consumer to 43 states legally. Uh, it was founded by myself, John Troutman, and Gary Vaynerchuk, who probably more people know of than this brand. <laughs> um, and so Gary's background, which a lot of n people who have recently followed him don't know, was heavy into wine. Mm -hmm. So he ran his dad's wine shop between ages 21 and 35, like full-time. That was his thing. Right. Like he was the wine guy. Right. And then over the past 10 years, his brand and what he talks about has evolved a lot, lot more into business. Um, myself, I worked at VaynerMedia for eight years, and what we saw in the marketplace with all of like the Fortune 100 and 500 brands here was that a lot of these like DTC small companies were popping up and starting mm -hmm. to eat and take market share from these big established CPG brands. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, we hired a lot of smart people at VaynerMedia <laughs> that knew how to build an agency better than I did, and me, Gary, and John, I think we're having a glass of wine somewhere and said, let's marry these two things together of yeah. you know how we know how to market in the 2019 2020 world with the wine background and let's build a DTC winery right. and as long as the wine tastes good marketing yeah. is, is 90% of yeah. it right? so you said like I want to hear how it's going wine is like you like perception is a lot of mm -hmm. and brand matters a ton in wine thankfully we had Gary behind us the thing that I've been saying recently a lot is that like you make a wine uh, you start making wine like a year before like anyone tastes it. Right. And so you make something that you think people are really going to like, <laughs> but it's like you can't change the formula. Right. Like after someone's like, oh, I don't like this. And like, oh, let me go tweak something like that's yeah. That's it for the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thankfully, we've gotten like a ton of good feedback. People have loved the rosé quite a bit. The white yeah. we went a little bit unique on. Um, but people have been really, they're both like, we're just trying to make really delicious wines. Mm -hmm. Something that you can have on its own or pair with food and you'll just be like, that's a good tasting wine. So that's kind of our, our mission and make that affordable and ship it right to your door. And um, it's been a it's been an interesting it's been year. a crazy road. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So it's interesting because I'm probably the person that drinks the most wine of anybody I know, but I know <laughs> the least about it. So my my knowledge to wine drinking ratio is way off. Um, like Do you know I what you like I like Pinot Grigio. I like Chardonnay. I don't know what I, no, I, I, I've had Chardonnay that I love and Chardonnay that I hate. And then I switch to Pinot yep. Grigio and I try that for a while. I have rosés that I love, rosés that I hate. I have to say empathy, um, from my experience, I've tried both the white and the rosé. The white kind of hits the really good notes of a Chardonnay mm -hmm. and a Pinot Grigio. It's super refreshing. It's not thick and buttery and heavy like a Chardonnay can be. Um, so that's what I love about it. It kind of takes the guesswork out of, yeah. out of wine. Yeah. The, the white wine, I think you kind of summed it up perfectly. There's, there's Chardonnay in it and mm -hmm. we wanted like the weight of a Chardonnay. We didn't want it to feel super thin. Right. And so there's, I think 25% or so Chardonnay in there that gives mm -hmm. it that weight, but it's not oaky. We didn't age the Chardonnay in oak barrels. Right. Um, so it has that crisp, 
um, refreshing, fruity, fruity. Yeah. and then we have some Chenin Blanc and Viognier to give some really good floral and really good nose. So yeah, we tried to balance. We actually tried to be like a, a, a Pinot Grigio's drinker's Chardonnay. That's literally exactly what happened. That's so so funny. That was like the ideal kind of uh, customer that we were trying to reach out to. Cheers to that. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I told um, a lot of my friends that because I've, it frustrates me when I go to a restaurant and I look at the long, intimidating wine menu and I don't know if I'm going to like that Chardonnay or that Pinot. uh, And I wish every restaurant just had a white wine that's really yeah. good, has the best of all of the varieties. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, especially in the wine, like, because wine lists, you know, are very much separated by region or mm-hmm. by varietal, mm-hmm. um, but you don't really know anything about how they're made. So, like, right. Chardonnay could be aged in oak barrels or it could be aged in uh, stainless steel tanks, mm-hmm. which would make the wine taste very different. Right. And so, like, I think having, um, you know, I think there's a few questions t- uh, to know to like go to the person mm-hmm. who's in charge of the wine list to be like, you know, make sure I don't I don't like an oaky Chardonnay. Okay, let's look at like Chablis in France, and there's like a few things to look for. So, right. um, our first hire was uh, a woman named Nora, mm-hmm. who worked at some of the best restaurants in New York City, mm-hmm. and she handles all of our customer experience and customer service. Um, people that subscribe to like the highest end of our subscription model. So a case of the rosé white and the red get a private uh, text number, private number to text Nora at to ask mm-hmm. any and all of your wine questions. Very cool. And it's actually Nora responding to each and every one cool. of these people. I um, might do that. <laughs> uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's a real commitment. Like we're not like, naive to the fact that like $720 a year for wine is like, you know, for 36 bottles is a lot to ask. Right. Um, and so because we knew that was, you know, a substantial amount of money, uh, we wanted to provide as much value as we could. And so mm-hmm. now when, uh, I think the best use case for us is when people are going to Napa or Sonoma or any wine country, wine area, mm-hmm. they can hit Nora up on text and be like, I'm going here, here are the dates. What do I try? What right. do I try? Where right. do I go? And we've built up relationships with, I think, about like 100 different wineries in the valley. Um, and so we ask them, like, what wine do you usually drink? How much do you usually spend? And we set them up on like really cool experiences. Right. They sometimes get like free or, con- or 50% off tastings and it like pays for itself. Right. So that's been like the best use case. But you know, everything that we're doing in our business, um, at least early on, is is trying to really build customer loyalty and really add value. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, the product is good. The product and, is and, awesome. And people, yeah. like, and people <laughs> like it. So it's like, how can we continue to have good touch points with our customers to c- keep them to continue on subscription with us? And it's a challenge, but... Um, you know, is there, you mentioned restaurants. Is there a retail or a restaurant plan? Or I know you're a D2C brand. Yeah, I think... Over time, we'll definitely get more into restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's a great place to build the brand. You right. know, I think that even like retail is having its like a little bit of a comeback right now yeah. in terms of like niche retail wine shops and, yeah. wine, and wine shops and experience. Like, you know, people our age and like want experiences. Right. Um, we walked I, into a wine shop yesterday on uh, Fifth Ave. For the exit, just because we're in that age bracket, I guess, and yeah. we thought it'd be cool to check out the local wines, and and uh, it's something I probably wouldn't have done four years ago. Maybe it is having a comeback. Yeah, and like my sister opened like a niche um, women's beauty and wellness shop in San Diego, yeah. and so there's like these niche like uh, uh, 
uh, retail experiences that are popping up because I think people want to connect the online to the real world. Right. And especially for wine, I think one of our biggest challenges was that we're trying to get people to buy th uh, three, six, or 12 bottles of something that they've never tasted before. Right. Um, and so to answer your question, I think that uh, restaurants and bars is like a great place to do that strategically if we can mm -hmm. get into some cool places. So we're in a couple places in New York right now. We're trying to walk before we run. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I could see that expanding, you know, to become 10% of our business. Awesome. Something along those lines. So tell me about the logistical nightmare after we take another sip yeah. of wine. I'm going to have to need another sip before. Direct to consumer <laughs> across the United <laughs> States with the millions of different interstate and city and county laws that you have to follow. Yeah, I might have to finish my glass before <laughs> that question. Um, yeah, so I pretty much handled most all of the compliance and logistics and it took us you did that that was your well i, I have a i have a compliance company that i oversaw i didn't file all the paperwork um <laughs> still that i'm sure that was quite it the was task. quite the headache um you know the whole compliance process where you know as you said it's very state to state so there's a federal license and then we get all of our state licenses mm -hmm. um and that whole process to get everything done took pretty much exactly a year Oh, wow. From start to finish. And there was some complexities and, um, you know, things pop up. Was this happening as you were waiting for the wine to mature? Yeah, it got very, like we had to delay shipments to Texas uh, uh -huh. for two months um, because Texas was very difficult. It's a tough one. Tough, yeah. Texas and New Jersey are very difficult. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, the government does not make it easy to ship wine across state lines. Uh -huh. That being said, it's, you know, it makes it a high barrier to entry. Right. Um, it, you have to really be committed to building a brand. Like we could have gone to two or three states and started really small, but to do this in a national way took a lot of time and energy um, and a lot of red tape to kind of jump through. Right. I'd imagine. And from what I understand in Texas, there's a limit on how much wine you can <laughs> ship somebody in a month, in a year. Yeah. Now we're getting into, Super the, nitty now we're getting into the nitty gritty. <laughs> um, I think I know most all 43 states off the top of my head. <laughs> Texas, you can ship three cases per person per month with a limit of 15 cases per person per year. In a case year. is 12 bottles. In a case right? is 12 bottles. But oh. Texas does it. That's like the equivalent. I think it's actually 3.25 cases a month because mm -hmm. um, they do it by the gallon. It's a gallon okay. yeah. limit. So they have to um, make the calculation of bottle yeah. to gallon. That's and then insane. Like, and then like, you know, Minnesota's two cases a year per person. That's it. Mm. Um, New York, for example, is 36 cases per year per person. So it like it's a very extreme delta between state to state, and it's something that like consumes a lot of my day and making <laughs> sure that we run a compliant business and yeah. that um, you know all the licenses are renewed. So it's a it's a you know we're a winery first, but we're like a logistics and shipping business second right. for sure, um, and it's a heavy product. It requires an adult signature mm -hmm. um, upon delivery. Um, it's glass, so there's you know potential breakage issues. So the logistics around you know everything that like goes into this bottle is a mm -hmm. complex process, mm -hmm. and then actually delivering it to the customer in a compliant way on time uh, in one piece is like very a whole, challenging. Is a whole other component to it. So. Yeah. Um, is there a technology piece to that on the website or, I mean, have you figured there's out a way to there's automate There's a couple this? niche businesses that have, uh, built, uh, on top of the wine industry. Yeah. We have, you know, we have a wine, our fulfillment company is wine specialized. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're built on Shopify plus, um, which we love Shopify. Shopify doesn't have specific wine, 
right. um, or regulated substances kind of integrations yet, but I know mm -hmm. that they're working with some other companies to get there. I know that the cannabis industry is something that's just going to explode in general, and I think that they're going to want to be on top of that trend as well. So, yeah. Um, Same deal long with them. Yeah. Long yeah. story short, I, I think DTC. You're basically a, a nationwide <laughs> weed dealer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nationwide, legally regu speaking, nationwide regulated almost substance the same. dealer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think uh, when we went through this whole process, at first we were like, it's insane. Like all the hands that have to touch to like make this bottle of wine. Like it right. looks very simple. It's glass. It has juice in it. Right. Uh, you know, our label's very simple. Our cork is like just one cork. Yeah. There's like five pieces to it, but like super complicated, super com like where we work with four growers, you know, when do we pick, uh, bringing the grapes to the facility, buying mm -hmm. our barrels, the barrels have different toast levels to them <laughs> that we have to decide upon. And so like, you know, this, w I think one thing that was the stories that like, we're eventually going to tell with Jake here and like tell with all of our farmer, uh, tell the story of our farmers, which ties into like, like how many people it takes to like get a bottle on your table. Right. Like even take the fulfillment company and shipping out of the way. Like any bottle of wine that you get is insane. Like yeah. how complicated it is to just get that like singular thing on the table. So I can imagine that's, that was like one of the more surprising things to me as this went on. I thought, you know, we had really good partners in place and we didn't need to be super hands-on, but just so right. many, and I'm sure that's in any business, you know, working at VaynerMedia, the agency, there's so right. many different, I'm sure you know at agencies, like, yeah. it sounds simple to just, like, you know, yeah, get, never get empathy when it's <laughs> on this show. It's, like, yeah. never, like, nothing's ever that simple. Um, and I didn't really know that working at the agency, but, like, starting your own business, right. like, n nothing simple. Right. And, so then, and then you have to deal with customers, too, right. which is amazing because, like, we, like, our customers, like, if, like, the loyal customers and ones that we've been getting have been, like, amazing. Like, the community we've de developed yeah. has been awesome. But, you know, when you're shipping 10, 15, 20,000 things a year, like. That was my next question. Are you guys dealing at all with chargebacks for broken bottles arriving or shipping no, yeah. issues, delays, custom, or I guess yeah, customs probably. Uh, we had some small issues with breakage yeah. at the very beginning. We got all that sorted out. But, yeah, we have to send replacement right. bottles, and that was not fun to deal with. Um, you know, we we don't tell people that like, this isn't like next day delivery, this isn't right. Amazon. So there's that expectation that it's not gonna get there the next day. And we're pretty upfront about, we get the wine out the door the next day, we communicate right. via text and email, like to give them all updates on their shipments, but um, things happen. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we always wanna put our customers first. I think that's the right way to be in business. Right. Gary wrote a book called The Thank You Economy. Yep. Um, and so we wanna continue to like provide that value to our customers. Um, and you know, if they hate the wine, then cool. <laughs> like we can give them a refund. We'll like let them try the next wine. Like we right. want people to feel like they're a part of this brand in such an early stage with us. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's been, that's been like the cool part yeah. of the business. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's it like having Gary as a partner versus he used to be your boss, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm an interesting person to answer that question. So I started interning with Gary at Wine Library. I don't mm -hmm. know if I said that. That was like 11 years ago. And mm -hmm. then my first job at Vayner, I was Gary's assistant. Uh, so really quickly, so Wine Wine Library was completely pre-Vayner. This is before Vayner existed? He, yeah, or, yeah. Vayner Media started in 2000 and 
nine. Okay. And Gary was running Wine Library from like 97 to okay. like up till then. And you started with him about two years prior. I started to with him Vayner. like the summer Vayner was just starting. Got it. Is when I interned at Wine Library. Good um, timing. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I went back to school one more year. Um, and then I was his assistant. And then I ran one of his book launches. And then I ran operations at Vayner for a while. And then I kind of became his chief of staff for the last year or two. And so I've been like very close to Gary throughout our 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually very easy for me and my partner, John, to start this with him because we know how he operates. Mm-hmm. We know how, excuse me, he likes to be communicated to. Um, we know what matters to him and when it doesn't matter. You know, Gary's the majority owner of this business, so mm-hmm. we co-founded it with him. But, you know, I think major decisions sit with him still. And so we're completely fine with that, obviously. Um, and... It was actually very easy for us, you know. So I the background definitely helped. Background helped. Like, I think he says it all the time of, like, 99% of things don't matter. Right. You know? And so that's kind of something that I've and my John have adopted over time of, like, what actually matters to get this bottle to our customers that they're going to like. And right. how do we continue to make their experience better and better? So, like, that's the 1%. Right. And everything else is like, okay, we'll get there. You know, we had an issue with our labels. Like, mm-hmm. Gary really doesn't care. Right. You know, <laughs> like that's on that's on us. We'll yeah. figure it out. And so it's actually been been very cool. He's let us run the business. You know, yeah. he hasn't man- micromanaged any every, anything. Yeah. He's spread, you know, pretty thin across VaynerX, which is an 800 person media holding company, mm-hmm. and you know his other investments and speaking. And so, you know, he, us with our background, he just cares that he can see this bottle, drink it. It tastes great. It looks great, and it's in your customers' hands. Yep. And how can want. how can he help promote and sell the wine? Right. You that know, makes sense. Our first ten months of the business, we pretty much exclusively marketed towards Gary's audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it a few times that this is kind of a culmination of his life's work mm-hmm. with starting in wine for so many years and mm-hmm. then building a advertising agency. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, this is like, this is pretty cool for him. Yeah. Um, for sure. And so, yeah, to your point, it's how do we make something that tastes really good? And then how do we leverage Gary to to make an even better wine? Like he was out there with us uh, negotiating like contracts with our farmers and and, <laughs> nice. and but also like preaching like what we want to do for them. Like, right. uh, like Jake right now is working on these farmer documentaries because we want to help tell their stories right. and be their marketing arm, like not marketing arm, but help right. build their brand because it yeah. helps and I think, us too. Yeah, I think that's an important thing, especially in 2019. Uh, people certainly care about where the product comes from uh, more now than ever. Uh, and also the treatment of that facility or yep. the, the farmers make sure they're getting a fair shake of the deal. Um, so how did you, how, how did you choose the farms? How did you meet the farmers? Uh, how many did you interview? Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, luckily with Gary's background in wine, we have a lot of contacts out there in, in wine country still. Um, but we were literally like Google searching how to make your own wine. Um, cause we didn't want to, cause there's like a couple different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. You can buy bulk juice that's on the market. Um, which we learned they do in Egypt. Do they? Yes. yes. We're drinking Egyptian wine. Sorry to cut you no, off please. really quickly, but you'll appreciate this drinking Egyptian wine. We thought it was really good <laughs> and, uh, got a bottle of it and took it back and I'm looking on Google and it had like one star on wine, whatever.com, yeah. the one, all the ratings that go there. 
And it turns out it said something like Egypt has a terrible reputation in wine. They buy all their juice from France and then they get it over to mm-hmm. Egypt. They add their water in it, which isn't really that great. <laughs> and then they turn it into <laughs> wine. Uh, so I learned about that last week. So I'm some, happy to some, hear your some watered down French wine. <laughs> yeah. Watered down. That's basically <laughs> what you're getting when you buy an Egyptian wine. So tell me about that's one way. Yeah. Which I'm so hoping you didn't one, do. Yeah. So one way is buying bulk juice and a lot of people do that. Right. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's fairly, it's, I think it's more common than people think. Yep. Um, how the other way, uh, is literally owning your own vineyard mm-hmm. and farming your own grapes, mm-hmm. uh, which we're not doing, but the way, what we're doing is we met with, I think about six farmers when mm-hmm. we went out there for a trip, tasted their wines, tasted their fruit, talked to them about their stories. Um, and then told them kind of our vision for empathy wines and what we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Like even on the back of the label, it says empathy for the farmer, empathy for you. Yep. So we definitely are working to highlight our farmer's stories more and more. Uh, so we found this wine facility that basically it's a huge winery that makes wine for other people. Mm-hmm. And so they have a winemaker uh, that's dedicated to our project there that uh, used to make the high-end wines at Kendall Jackson. Um, and he made one of the wines that we really, really liked, which yep. is pretty serendipitous. Um, and so he's on our project and we basically work with him on the style of wine. Um, and then he's going out to the vineyards 15, 20 times a year, checking the nice. grapes, making the picking decisions. We buy, we contract and buy the grapes that we want to make, we want to use. Right. They're and you're using a blend of grapes, of course. Yep. Yep. And we're sent, they're sent to this facility and made by the winemaker at the, at the wine facility. So we're, as involved in the process as you can be without owning land right, or right. like machinery. That's awesome. Um, and that was like a, a big sticking point for us. We could have saved a lot of money mm-hmm. going the bulk juice route. And right. you can find like, you can find good bulk juice on the market. Right. Um, you can find like really good wine that way. But for the story we wanted to tell for the brand that we wanted to build and for the wine that like we wanted to make our own wine. Right. Um, and so that was how we did it. So where does the little tiny bit of, sparkle come from and you know it's sometimes it's really crispy and refreshing and good i love it i'm gonna have to tell you to subscribe to club empathy and (laughs) and text see if it's text nora um i don't you know i don't know to be honest with you you got a little bit more than me Mm -hmm. Um, but next year we're actually contemplating potentially doing a uh, canned sparkling rose oh nice the canned beverage alcohol that's a big hit right now yeah so would you consider um, babe, babe <laughs> competitor in that market. They're killing it. They're right? killing it. They just sold to, um, Budweiser, right? Budweiser, ABI. Yeah. Yep. Um, they're, they're, I think pretty niche mm-hmm. and you know, have their, <laughs> yeah, I think so. they definitely have their own voice and yep. know, know who they are for sure. Right. Um, but they did, I mean, they, they were one of the first people to jump on the canned yeah. wine and they, train and I did think a really they good kind job. of ignited it or yeah. reignited it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, a, there's a similar, there's a very similar pal- parallel of the fat Jewish, who's a personality and built yep. a really big brand before yep. he started this. Um, and so kind of founder celebrity driven brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've definitely like looked at what they've done over the, mm-hmm. over the years and they're super interesting. Cool. Is there a reason the, uh, red has taken so long? Yes. I'm anxious to try. The red needs time to age. Oh, I see. Yeah. So the reds for most of the years sitting in our barrels, mm-hmm. just waiting. So to you're be just bottled. hoping it's going to be delicious. Just, just, yeah. Just waiting, just waiting to be bottled. Uh, yeah. So the red, uh, we used a lot of new Oak, uh, you know, oftentimes if the 2018 vintage, some people won't release it till 2020 at some point. So got it for, excuse me, for us, it was, uh, decently quick to get it in the bottle. Right. Um, but the rosé doesn't sit in barrel at all. 
mm -hmm. um, doesn't need too much time to, to age or and so we can get that going really quickly the white needs a little bit more time and the red needs to sit there for for a while that makes sense so some reds from my understanding can age in the bottle in yeah. addition is yep. this one of those so you yeah. could you could keep the empathy red for i think i think you could keep it for it's very drinkable now mm -hmm. i think um but you could you could store it for five to 15 years and i think it would be fine and it nice. could, i think it'll get a little bit better over time um, but cool. there's definitely there's some big grapes in there Petite Syrah, Syrah, Cabernet grapes that can, can age really well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm excited to. Syrah is one of my favorite red wines. I, it might just be nice. my third favorite <laughs> wine behind rosé and white. Beautiful. <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. So like, I'm excited for like people to start kind of collecting each like vintage. Yeah. And saving them, I think that'll be really cool. And like five, 10 years from now to do like a, a vintage by vintage tasting. Yep, that'd be awesome. Yeah. We're collecting the corks and that was my next question. Oh, yeah. Who designs the corks, the packaging, really a fan of the packaging. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's a really ugly box when you get it and you open <laughs> it up and the message, the it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so from the packaging, uh, the box side of things, we work with a company called Lumi, mm -hmm. have you heard of them? Um, they're, they're popping up a lot of like DTC brands are working Sounds with familiar. them. Sounds familiar. Yeah, so they're, they're powering um, they're really like a, like a, I don't want to say a software, but they're a platform for brands and packaging. Mm -hmm. So they work with a lot of different factories around the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they designed our packaging and then found, you know, the different corrugate factories around the country of who's going to make it. Um, and so they've been awesome to work with. They actually told us that the outside of the boxes get beat up in transit, like mm -hmm. no matter what. So and don't so waste don't money waste, on it. Yeah, yeah. Don't waste time on it yeah. and just make the inside look really cool. Yep. Um, and so they did packaging with us, our corks and designs of, you know, the, the labels was all done in house. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we have, I think we did about seven or eight different corks for each of the wines. Mm -hmm. And so there, you could do a little collect them all that way too. But yep. most of them are, are Gary quotes from over the years and things that we think tie really well to the brand and empathy and, um, kind of our, our customer base in general. Did you guys ever do a golden ticket type of cork? Yeah. You we, pop it open and there's a special... I, something. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we, we've been thinking about like, especially with Gary's brand, yeah, different yeah. types of things like that. Yeah. We're doing something cool. F we're coming out with a mix pack, mm -hmm. so a bottle of each of the wines for the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing something cool with that packaging. So stay tuned there. Very cool. Um, but yeah, Gary loves that kind of stuff. Of yeah. Like golden ticket. Yeah. Easter I'm excited eggs. because yeah. even, yeah, just, just from what we've seen so far, the, I guess you'd call it the the beta run of your first, it was your real, your first year this year shipping the wine. So, yep. um, you guys did awesome. You nailed it. I think, I mean, the taste is what's most important. Nailed that. And the packaging and branding, uh, from a marketer. I love it. I appreciate, so. I appreciate that from like a business perspective. Like we're, we're super happy with how everything came out. Mm -hmm. But I think again, anyone that like runs a business knows that behind the scenes, like things came <laughs> together, things, things came together in like the last day or two for a lot of stuff or the last hour or two. Yeah. Um, but I think that just is business it in is general what it is, is yeah. what it is. And, you know, to your point, as long as it's tasting good and, and you know, everything tells like a cohesive story. Um, yep. We've been really excited about it. So, Thanks for listening to It's 8 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date on all new episodes. It's time to pay attention.